Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Lord willing, in the service, um, we're going to have uh, Sister uh, Sandra Bontrager. She, um, for many years now, as many of you know, she is... uh, headed up the ministry over in Elkhart, Indiana, Uh, just really uh, seeing the Lord transform lives of uh, women there in that ministry, and so they're going to be here this evening, and uh, several of the ladies will be sharing their testimonies. It is life-transforming testimonies, what God has done for them, so they're going to be sharing in the 630 service this evening invite you to be here for that. Praise the Lord. Looking forward to just hearing what God is doing, which never gets old. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see you, each and every one of you here. Praise the Lord. God bless you for making it a point and a priority to be in God's house. Praise the Lord. Um, Lord willing, this week, my wife and I will be taking a few days of vacation with the family, and so uh, Brother Ralston will be uh, filling the pulpit in our absence, so uh, come and support the work of the Lord there. Praise the Lord, and we covet your prayers. Um, Let's read a text from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 this morning. Uh, We'll take a few moments here, and uh, we have been in a series focusing on spiritual fitness. Uh, We are examining what it looks like to be a healthy Christian, and... uh, what it looks like to be in good spiritual shape. And uh, so we've uh, looked at this. Now we've come to uh, the W, which is witness. And I will, I will catch you up on the other six that we have uh, determined to be our outline here. But uh, we're going to be looking at the word witness uh, today. So that's the word I want you to look at from our text, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read it together. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. As we go to prayer this morning, uh, I do want us to remember, uh, I understand Sister Treva Coleman's husband, Mark, uh, they were part of this church for many years, and he passed away this week. So let's hold Sister Treva up in our prayers this morning. I also received a uh, message from Brother and Sister Haas, Uh, Sister Monica, their daughter Monica, and her husband Rick was involved in a motorcycle accident. Um, They were going around a curve and hit some loose gravel. And uh, so they uh, both just need the Lord's healing hand upon them. That's Monica and uh, Rick. excuse me. And then uh, Brother Billy Myers, pastors right down the turnpike. Uh, right near the Indiana-Ohio border, and uh, he had to take his wife to the ER for a brain bleed. They didn't know what was happening, but she is in critical condition, 
And uh, he said this morning, we need a miracle. And so let's be in prayer for them as we go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We come to you, Lord, knowing that you're our healer, knowing that you restore, Lord, uh, our bodies, knowing that you restore our spirit and our minds. Lord, we come to you asking, Lord, for uh, Monica and Rick. We ask you, Lord, for Pastor Billy Myers' wife, Becky. We ask you, Lord, for Sister Treva and, Lord, the family, God, in this uh, this situation of, of the passing, Lord, of Mark. I pray your grace would be extended, your hand minister to them, your name be the power and the resource, Lord, that brings peace into their spirit. God, we trust you here this morning. Touch our lives as we look into your word, God, that never, 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 never loses an ounce of its strength and power. It is alive. It's speaking in our hearts. And Lord, I pray your will be done in this service. In Christ's name, all God's people say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. We've uh, been in a series called Spiritual Health Check. We have uh, asked a question every Every sermon, this uh, this morning's question is simply, do I share what Jesus did for me? And I want to put a little uh, plug in for the Sunday school hour with a series that uh, they have been in all during the summer. Wow, I have enjoyed it hearing what Jesus has done for so many in this church. Hasn't it been great, refreshing? It really, really has. Today we heard again, amen, from Brother Tim. And, uh, and then uh, or just, uh, I'm just uh, excited because, uh, you know, repetition is the mother of all learning. And uh, we've talked about how these six W's, we've talked about the word, we've talked about worship. Uh, and then uh, we talked about warmth as far as last Sunday, I think it was. We talked about when Christians love one another in the church. Uh, they make the church a relationally warm place because how many know our world is relationally cold, right? And uh, so today we're talking about witness. We're going to look at that topic uh, we'll have two left, which is works, because a healthy Christian builds up the body of Christ through the use of their spiritual gifts. Okay, that's the works. It's not that we're working be, uh, to be saved. That's already done. All right. Then the final one will be wisdom, because a healthy believer manages their money, manages their time, manages their skill, uh, putting them all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So that's, uh, that's kind of the, the, the big picture. Today, uh, we're talking about witness. Now, have you ever wondered why the Lord saved you and didn't just rapture you right directly to heaven after salvation? Uh, if God had wanted to, how many know he could have directly taken us to heaven? Right. The moment we trusted Christ as our Savior. But he didn't. All right. Which means he's left us here for a purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a purpose. 
Distinguished Scottish pastor of the last century, William Arnott, he put it this way, and I quote, he said, to every Christian these two things may be said, and this is what he said, you have need of Christ, and Christ has need of you. He then adds this thought, he said, the simple fact that a Christian is on earth and not in heaven is proof that there's something for him to do here. You say, well, what is it that God has left us to do on earth? What is it? Let me ask you this. What is it that we can do on earth that we can't do in heaven? We can sing on earth, and I believe we're going to sing in heaven, right? We can pray on earth. We can praise on earth. I believe we'll pray and praise in, in, in the heavenlies. We can fellowship with other believers on earth. We'll certainly fellowship with them in heaven through the ages. And we could go on and on with that list. But when you think about it, there's one main thing we can do on this earth that we will never do in heaven. And that is we will never tell a lost sinner about Christ in heaven. Right? There will be no lost folks in heaven. So if we're going to tell them the good news, and how many know it is the best news? How many know we have to do it while we're here on earth? That's right. And so just before Christ returns to heaven, we know that as uh, his uh, uh, return when he finished and accomplished his purpose, when he had redeemed us, he had went through the cross and the grave, Christ now meets with his disciples before his ascension. And he tells them what they are to do after he's gone. And what, how many know what he said to them? He says to me, and he says to you. Right? He left us on the earth that we might be, the word in this text is witnesses. Witnesses. And I, I look at this and I think in heaven there will be no witnesses because in heaven seeing is believing and on earth though that's where the witness comes in. He does not send angels. I was thinking this after uh, this this week, really, uh, most likely yesterday afternoon when I was finishing this thought. God does not send angels to proclaim His name. He does not write the gospel message in lightning across the sky. He uses the church. He uses you. He uses me. To share the news with other people. Now, we are to be witnesses. If we do our part, how many know? God will do His. And if we do our part, God has no other plan. The words of Christ in our text emphasize two things that we clearly need to review from time to time. And that is, the Holy Spirit empowers His followers... And then those spirit-filled followers witness to others about Christ. And I appreciate, I was thinking this week, the witnesses that this church has had through the years. Right? It's already been mentioned, Sister McMillan. How many remember Sister McMillan? Over the, uh, or she was a bus captain, I believe, for over 40 years. 40 years. 
She loved to witness to people. I believe that was her passion, daily passion. How many remember Brother Julius Shehe? I only got to meet him a couple times, and that's my loss because what I have heard from him is just unbelieving. And I've been here for almost 20 years, and when people know that I uh, serve at Broadway Assembly, they all say, did you know Brother Shehe? He was a witness, right? Now, how many know God doesn't necessarily call us all to be that kind of a witness? You say, well, I can never be a Brother Shehe. I ne- never can be a Sister McMillan. And I'm not saying that, but I am saying in the 21st century, the fact is only 21% of Christ's followers ever witness about Jesus. That's just saying, I could do better. Because if I took a test and I got a 21%, somebody tell me, is that a passing grade? No, I better go back and do a little more study, right? Right? So what I want to encourage us to do this morning is what Christ is telling his disciples You're to be witnesses. And I want to emphasize the first point because you say, well, I can't do it on my own. No, you can't. I can't either. That's why he says, when you're going to receive the power. Right? How many know our greatest need today is not for political power, but for the power of the Holy Spirit? Because political power, it can change laws, but it can never change hearts. If we win, you know, it can win an election, but it cannot save a life. It can pass even righteous laws or repeal unrighteous ones, but it can never make people righteous. Politics cannot change the way people think because it touches the outside of the Life And only the Holy Spirit can truly touch the inside and change the heart, restore families, and save folks from destruction. I'm reminded, uh, reading a little history, in 1919, Congress ratified the 18th Amendment to the Constitution that prohibited the sale of Uh, and circulation of alcoholic beverages here in the United States. And it was an interesting thing. The people who supported the amendment uh, included great men like evangelist Billy Sunday. You may have heard of him. They all meant well. They truly believed that by outlawing liquor, they could improve society. Uh, And many people called this uh, piece of legislation in Congress the grand experiment, Uh, but it didn't work, right? Largely because Americans by the millions chose to defy the law by patronizing bootleggers and speakeasies. And, And in 1933, the 21st Amendment repealed the 18th Amendment and the grand experiment was over. It failed because how many know? No law can change a human heart. We do what we can. We want as many righteous laws as we can, right? But Paul, the apostle, makes it forcefully clear in Romans 7 and 15, and actually through verse 25, that if people want to sin, there's not a law that's going to stop them. 
That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. He can take the gospel that we preach and proclaim and use it to bring folks to repentance of sin and into faith in Christ. He can replace their old heart with a new one and give them a hunger that will live for Christ. Christ told his inquisitive disciples that instead of worrying about a lot of different things, for example, they had asked him about the timing of his second coming. Uh, He said, listen, that's in the Father's hand. You need to focus on the job at hand. First, they would be filled with the Spirit. Then they would be witnesses for Christ. This was and is God's plan for his followers. This is God's job description for every one of his children. Christ said... All of you will be my witnesses. In its basic sense, a witness is a person who declares firsthand truth to another person. That's all it is. I'd like to offer three observations that will help us understand, hopefully, this. And then we'll conclude. Observation number one. A witness tells what he knows. Right? The dictionary defines the word witness as one who has seen or heard something. And one who furnishes evidence, someone who can say, I know this is true. Okay, in a court of law, a witness promises to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, right? And and witnesses tell the truth, and if they're good witnesses, that's all they do. Don't elaborate. Don't embellish the story. Just give us what you saw. Nothing more and nothing less. If the witness fails to testify truthfully, then they can be indicted for perjury, right? If they fail to testify about what they know, they could be arrested too. Listen, a witness then is someone who tells what he knows and only what he knows. How does this relate, Pastor, to Acts 1.8? Well, in his commentary uh, on Acts, uh, Commentator F.F. Bruce, he calls our attention to how Luke uses the word witness elsewhere in the book of Acts. And here's a couple uh, examples. Let me share a few of these verses here in Acts. Acts 2, and if you go on down to verse 32, it says, This Jesus, this Jesus hath he raised up whereof we are all witnesses, witnesses. Acts 3.15, they killed the prince of life whom God hath raised up from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Acts 10.39, and ye are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hung on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed openly. And then Acts 13, but God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which come uh, up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. One more place, Acts twenty two fifteen. 15, for thou shalt be his witnesses unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Listen, if we take all those verses together, we sum them up, we can say something like this, a witness is a person who tells the truth about Jesus. That's all. And the disciples testified to the things they knew were true about their Lord. And above all, what they testify? They testified about the truth of the resurrection. 
Somebody say, he's alive. Praise God. You don't have to be a theologian to be a witness for Jesus. You don't have to go to Bible school or seminary to be a witness for Jesus. You don't have to be called to be a missionary. It doesn't require a college degree or high IQ. Just tell the truth about Christ to anyone who's willing to listen. And that's where witnessing always begins. Amen. Amen. Observation number two. A witness shares what he has experienced. Now, if you're going to point others to Christ, you need to have met him for yourself. Right? The word witness is the most frequently used word in the Bible, actually, to express a believer's primary role in the world. Now, in this present culture, to say that we have a personal relationship with Christ, people look at you like, how? It's like saying we have a personal relationship with Christopher Columbus. They're like, he's been gone a long time, right? They ask, how can you have a relationship with a dead person? Listen, the answer is, you don't. You can only have a relationship with someone who is alive. And that brings us back to the resurrection. Either Christ is alive or he isn't. If he's alive today, then you can know him just as you know your neighbor, just as you know your parent, just as you know your children. You can know him personally, have a relationship with him because he rose from the dead and he is alive. Oh, praise God. Somebody say, he's alive. Listen to the words of 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. John says, I saw him, I heard him, I've walked with him, I've touched him. Now listen to verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, uh, there's that word again, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So there's three stages here that John points us to. He says Christ appeared on earth. We experienced him personally. And thirdly, now we're declaring him unto you. Now Revelation 12, 11 celebrates the power of a witness testimony as a tool of fighting the kingdom of darkness. When uh, the writer of uh, Revelation 12, 11 says they, talking about the saints of God, the church of God, the bride of Christ, uh, overcame him... That's the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Our personal testimony, how many know that's one of the most effective tools you have in your evangelism toolbox? Right? People can doubt or debate the Bible, or they can doubt or debate the existence of God, but no one can deny your personal testimony. Why? Because you were there. Hmm? One dictionary definition of testimony is giving a first hand 
authentication of a fact, especially in court. It also has the idea of open acknowledgement and is closely related. Once again, testimony is closely related to witness. Every salesperson, how, how many salespeople? We got any people that work in sales? Yeah, we've had several that work in sales. I know you AutoZone brothers, right? Every salesperson knows you can't sell what you don't believe in. Right? People can tell a mile away if you're just reading from a manual, if you're just rehearsing something that you've memorized. Listen, the best salespeople are those who believe in what they're selling to the point that they're simply talking about what they know to be true. It's the same with the gospel. If you haven't experienced Christ, you cannot witness for Him. Oh, you can try, but it's going to come off sounding pretty canned. But what a difference it makes when you share from the depths of your soul what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you and what he means to you what a difference that's the best kind of witnessing right if you know Christ you can talk about what he's done for you and you can share how he has changed your life you can tell how he guides you from day to day how he gives you the strength to face your challenges, the courage to conquer your fears. You can tell how He found you in your sin. How He gave you a brand new life. Reason for living. Let me add one word of advice. You don't have to convince your friends that they need Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You don't have to convince your friends that they need Christ. That's the Spirit's job. And how many know there's a difference, and actually it's a big difference, between telling and selling? If we do the telling, the Holy Spirit will do the selling. You can't do His work, and He won't do yours. So tell the truth about Christ. Tell how he's changed your life. Pray like crazy for God to make your friends hungry for the Lord. And let the Holy Ghost do the rest. Amen. Is that all right? All right. Here's my last observation. Number three. A witness remains loyal to the end. In Greek, the word for witness is a word from which we get our English word, martyr. Now, it's going to scare some of you. But it simply means being loyal to Christ no matter the cost. Speaking up for Him regardless of who will oppose you. Right? If we're going to be witnesses for Christ, it means that we might not be very popular in this culture. We may get canceled. Right? We may not win the employee of the month. Hmm? We might get passed over for the promotion. It could cost us. But how many know? 
it will be worth it. I said it will be worth it. In the early church, the believers sometimes had to choose death rather than deny the name of Christ. Since most of us won't be called upon to do that, hopefully, here's the much tougher question. Are we willing to live for Him? Are we willing to testify of Him? Are we willing to speak up for Him? You know, you say, but pastor, uh, I stammer. How many know that's okay? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't stammer. And He can speak clearly through our halting words. You say, Pastor, I'm too shy to be a witness. Don't worry about your shyness. The Lord can speak through you. You say, but Pastor, I don't know enough of the Bible. No one really does. Work on it. And while you work on it, tell what you know. I said, tell what you know. Leave the results to the Lord. You say, what if I make mistakes? Well, we, we all probably will, and that's okay too. The Holy Spirit does not make mistakes. And He can cause people to forget your mistakes. Perhaps you have another final ob objection. You say, but I'm afraid it won't work. And when people say that, they usually are thinking of someone who they know seems hardened to the gospel. Usually we think it won't work when, they've, when we've tried and tried, haven't gotten any success. Listen, when you think that the gospel won't work, remember the fact it worked for you. How many folks in here did the gospel work for you? It worked for you, and if it worked for you, it can work for someone else. Don't ever give up on the gospel. Church, don't ever give up. Because Christ promised that the Holy Spirit would work through our testimonies. So a witness to anyone who cooperates with the Holy Spirit is simply telling others about Christ. Because all God needs is a little cooperation from His people. And when He gets it, how many know? Lives are changed. Oh, praise God. God invites us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in telling others about Christ. Listen, if we will do our part, the Spirit will do His. So, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask each person listening this morning, will you join me and do two things? Two things. Everybody say two things. Number one, pray that God would give you a chance to witness for Him this week. That's number one. Pray that God will give you a chance to witness for Him this week. And that is telling your story. Telling what you know to be true. And number two, commit to speaking when God does give you that opportunity. Right? When he, sometimes we pray for the opportunity. And then when He gives us the opportunity... Oh, Lord, this can't be you. I'm too nervous. Will you join me in praying for a chance to share what Jesus has done for you in your life this week? How many will do that? Will you join me in that prayer? Sister Jones, you can come. Looky there. I'm going to get you out of here before noon. 
former president and chancellor of Moody Bible Institute, George Sweeting. He tells of a man by the name of John Currier, uh, who back in 1949 was found uh, guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Sometime later, John was transferred and paroled to work on a farm uh, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And he worked on that farm for many years. Nineteen years later, in 1968, John's sentence was terminated. And a letter bearing that good news was sent to him. But the powers that be on that farm never let John see the letter. And they never told him anything. Life on that farm was hard without promise of a future. But yet John kept doing what he was told. And after the manager, the owner of that farm passed away. Another 10 years went by until a state parole officer learned of John's plight, personally himself went and found John and told him that his sentence had been terminated. He was a free man. And George Sweeting concluded by asking, and here's his question, would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important message in your life? And year after year, that urgent message was never delivered. As we stand together, we, somebody say I, I have heard the good news. I have experienced freedom through Christ. I am responsible to proclaim it to others. Right? Folks, people are enslaved in sin. Are we doing all we can to make sure they get the message of freedom? Oh, this morning here, my heart is for us. Maybe as a church, we can collectively renew our commitment. Is that okay? Would that be all right? Renew our commitment to Christ's great commission this morning and say, Lord, lay a soul on my heart. Maybe it's, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a co-worker. And I understand you got to be careful. you got to use wisdom in the workplace. You can't just jump up on top of a machine and start shouting the gospel. I understand that. But God opens doors. Let's walk through them. Father, here this morning, I pray, God, that we would be encouraged as a church, as a church body. God, to be witnesses. To testify of what you have done in our lives.
Lord, not to stifle our testimony, but to proclaim it every opportunity we have. Help us to announce freedom and liberty to those who are enslaved to sin. In Jesus' name, all God's children say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As they sing, why don't you step out and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- recommit to sharing the gospel. My testimony. That's, that's really, it's, you got to share what you know. Share what you know. Say, Lord, I want to do better. I want to be my best. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just take a few moments. Find a place to pray. Would you do that? Would you do that? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I will be the one. be